You are listening to MAGA Weekly with Brendan Dilly, California, and Magical Trevor. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to MAGA Weekly. I am your host, author, Brendan Dilly, and I will be joined here momentarily by my co-hosts, Magical Trevor and California. And I've just sent off the invitation to Mike, and we'll get the other one over to Trev as soon as I see him pop up on my screen. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful start to your week. It's been a great week, I think, to be a MAGA patriot. All right, we're going to invite Trev in here. Hopefully he and Mike don't have any issues today with this fucking poverty software. We will see. I've sent invitations to both. I don't know if, if either of it got it. Okay, Trev. Trev is here. Trev, let's try out your mic, bro. I win. Woohoo. Okay. So the good news is Trev popped on immediately. No problem. The bad news is I sent an invitation to Miguel California, and he either has not accepted. Oh, wait. There it goes. Mike. Is he? Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. Mike, are you there? He's on the co-host screen. But we don't have uh I'm so oh wait, it says it's connecting. Let's see. Trev, you think we're gonna have any luck with this? What do you think? I hope so. <laughs> Either way, we'll invite him back as a speaker if we have to. Okay, all right. Welcome everybody to MAGA Weekly. And uh oh yep, yep, it booted him again. And boo, I know. Oh, there he is. All right, Miguel is here. We got him on as a speaker. We'll try it this way and if it keeps booting you off, bro, no big deal. We'll just keep adding you yeah, back that's in. that's cool. Don't matter. I'm here. What's up, everybody? Eh, dude, I know we're having a good it's, it's a good week so far, fellas. So what I was doing, I'm not going to lie, guys. Right before this started, I was watching the Andrew Tate interview with Tucker Carlson. Very fascinating stuff. Same. Yeah, really good. Trev, you were taking it out? Oh, yeah. I'm about halfway through. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? I, I got about uh, probably a half an hour in, and I'll probably check out some of it, uh, the, the remainder of it a little bit today and tomorrow but yeah very fascinating stuff uh this is maga weekly as uh as i just mentioned my co-hosts are now here magical trevor and Megalifornia. i'm your host author brendan dilly and what we do on this uh spaces slash podcast slash whatever you want to call it show we essentially kind of run down a lot of the happenings over the last week here on twitter and in the world of maga uh, and we don't generally do like a traditional spaces where it's a free for all and people come in and, you know, we don't really do the open mic thing. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of options for that. If that's your, your jam, that's not really what we do here. Um, I'm, I don't have the patience for it, frankly. I'm like the worst person to do that kind of thing. Cause I just, I'll end up blowing uh really good fans out of the water. Cause I get frustrated if they talk too slowly. So, uh, we're not going to do that, but this show, we will have some topics we'll cover, and occasionally we'll grab somebody from the audience, but that's once in a blue moon. Uh, that being said, I am happy to be back with you guys. It's now, what, two weeks in a row we've been back, and Mags is requesting, which we're obviously going to fucking decline. Yeah, he's trolling. No. I see him. He's trolling. The son of a bitch knew. He's like, oh, okay. Let me just go ahead and just throw a Hail Mary. Not happening, buddy. Um, but uh, I am happy to be back with you guys. We've got a couple of weeks in a row now back with MAGA Weekly after a crazy month of June. July is off to... Uh, just a bonkers start. So let's start right now, I guess, you guys, with I would like to talk a little bit about President Trump's week and his schedule, what he's been keeping. Dude, I, he's 77 years young. Uh, he seems to be getting better and stronger as he goes. 
Uh, he heads out on Friday. He goes to uh, he he was rather just as last Friday. He was in Iowa. He gives a great speech to a bunch of farmers. He then heads out to Nevada, gives a great speech in Las Vegas. Then he goes to UFC fight night, shakes about a thousand hands and takes about a fucking thousand pictures. Then he heads out to Los Angeles for what I can only assume is a round of golf at his place. Takes a bunch of pictures with law enforcement on the tarmac and then returns to Bedminster where last night he had a, an event as well. I mean, dude is a fucking campaigning machine. Trev, uh, I'll bring you in here. Are you ever, do you ever just sit and go, how is he everywhere all the time? And, and he's always the guy. Like imagine keeping that schedule and every room you go in, you're the most famous person and every eyeball is on you everywhere you go, no matter where you go. I, I couldn't keep that schedule at my age. I don't know how he does it at his. So, I mean, that that's that's just insane. Like, the, the, he's all over the place, and it's it's the same level of energy everywhere he goes. It's not like he goes in the morning and he's like, rah, and then in the afternoon he's kind of like, oh, hey, guys, okay. You know, no, it's the same all the way through the day, uh, consistently, uh, you know, energetic and consistently on top. Yeah, and it really is. It's And it, the thing is, is like we've all, you know, there's a lot of people on here, you know, we're adults. A lot of you guys have been in business. You traveled for a living. Oh, I got a meeting here. Now, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to make an assumption. Uh, most of you probably aren't the fucking center of every meeting everywhere you've gone in your entire business career. And you certainly probably didn't have this type of schedule. And that's what makes it so shocking is. He's the guy in every room he enters and everyone's hanging on his word, which may, means inevitably he has to be on at all times everywhere, which is I don't know how he does it. Mike, anything you want to add to this, dude, because you you took some really uh, you know awesome videos of him speaking over the last few days. And certainly when he was in Los Angeles, you saw some great clips and you know, put out some stuff, shared some of Scavino's videos. Uh, what do you I mean, dude? the schedule like look at this like he outworks like we are trying to catch up to him and he's still he's still way the fuck ahead of everybody else thoughts on that yeah he's he's always five steps ahead of everybody man it's like okay i'm going to vegas and then oh i'm gonna shoot a round of golf at my course one of my 17 courses and uh i think the cop thing was unbelievably triggering it's like that thing is up to about four thousand retweets and 300,000 views just on mine. Scavino's got three times worse. And there, it's just a magnet for all the trolls. And it's like, well, if you're so confident he's going to jail, why are you here? They're freaking out, dude. They're freaking out and they know because he's Teflon Don, bro. He's it. He really is. And uh, by the way, I want to remind everybody if you're watching or rather watching, listening, although I stare at my phone during spaces, I don't think I'm the only one, right? So you kind of low key are watching spaces. So maybe not such a, a mischaracterization of what you're doing. But if you're listening and or watching your spaces right now, please uh, make sure you guys are tweeting this out and sharing it so we can expand the audience and certainly find our way uh, into some DeSantard's pages. That'd be cool. They could come in. We could make fun of them. Or just in general, if some MAGA people want to know what the hell's going on. They want a quick rundown of the week and where we're at. Uh, just make sure you're retweeting or tweeting it out uh, with your own original tweet. We appreciate you guys doing that. So, yeah, Donald Trump. Schedule, insane. Comes back, makes it back to Bedminster, I'm assuming probably Sunday-ish. I don't know what his schedule was. I mean, he gets back. 
And then yesterday, Monday, he had an event out in Bedminster. I had a buddy out there, a couple of buddies that went actually went to that last night. He's doing another speech. Um, he's a machine. And this is the thing that, that people don't understand is nobody, nobody manages his schedule as as diverse and, and crazy as, uh, as Donald Trump's is better than Donald Trump. That even when you take, you know, the next people that are trying to run against him, DeSantis, that fat guy from New Jersey, uh, that fucking Judas from, from Indiana, you know, the fucking lady that, you know, doesn't know how to take it doggy style from South Carolina. You take any of these fucking people and they barely can keep up their own little gay schedules. Okay. Their little fucking poverty schedules. None of these people could last 10 minutes in Trump's world. And this is one of the things that like, if you don't recognize the talent associated with that, like that's a special gift to be able to manage, you know, a a huge multi-billion dollar company, along with presidential expectations, along with, you know, you got a campaign, you got, you got court cases, you're defending yourself in multiple states. You got all that shit going. And only very few people can do what this guy does from a management standpoint. And it's one of the reasons that why, when he got in to be president, once he found his flow by about 17 and 2018, he was a fucking machine. 2019, certainly. And MAGA knows this. Voters of Trump, people who have honestly observed his presidency, they know what we're getting. We know how fast he can fix all of the fuck-ups of Joe Biden and the Democrats and the rhino Republicans. And I think that's where we're at right now, which is they know that. Trump has set the pace in such a way now, you guys, that I'm actually legitimately starting to get a little, not I don't want to say concerned, but I'm wondering what the fuck are they going to do now? So, so Mike, I want to go to you first on this one. They tried the indictments, right? They tried the indictments and they fucking sent him to the moon in the polls with normal people and with independent voters. And simultaneously, as they railroaded Trump, who Americans are starting to realize is their only hope to save their country, Joe Biden is in full-blown destruction mode of the American economy, housing, and so many other industries associated with real estate. But they're almost out like that. Is, is the Hail Mary just, okay, we keep Joe, uh, you know, in his basement again, and then we just try and rig it on election day? Or is there something else? Do we, it's like going to be the fucking longest 16 months I've ever seen. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, totally. They, um, they're in panic mode. The donors are in panic. Why would you pull out a TPUSA, right? Because it doesn't – it's not – that he looked bad. It's bad for donors. You, you're going to go to your own home state and get booed off the stage, dude, because MAGA, just like we did with Ted Cruz, we followed him around everywhere. And that's what's happening now. There are going to be people showing up at Casey's event mocking her. And it's a beautiful thing. So he pulled out of it and it looks like the biggest coward. And, there, and his shields today are like, oh, Trump's not going to debate. So he's a coward. It's like, they got nothing, bro. They got zero. And now the whole Casey DeSantis, they're, well, we'll get into that. But no, they got nothing, bro. And we're going to pivot to Biden soon. And this is like sharpening the knives. We're getting prepared to take on the left and the globalists. But we're taking on the globalists now. So it's a glorious victory. And uh, I'm all for it. And I'm only energized by their stupidness. Well, and you know what? Mike actually make a really good point. And, and let's let if we take the emotion out of it, and we take the MAGA shocker. out of it. It's a shocker sometimes. 
<laughs> but you make a really good point, dude, is if you take the MAGA out of it and you take the all of our emotion associated with what we feel is best for the country and you just look at it objectively, DeSantis just found out two fucking days ago he's down 20 points in his own home state. And you're down 40 on average nationwide, which means you should be lining up at every fucking venue that will even host your meatball ass for the chance to try and win over voters. It's not a it's not a debate. He needed to show up and make a case to a lot of influential Republicans that he can beat Trump and that he's the better pick than Trump. And he fucking ran away. See, Donald Trump doesn't do the debate, doesn't make him a pussy. He's up 40. No sense. But, dude, you're down 40. You're in the trenches, bro. You're trying to win over every voter there is. And you could have went to a massive event with thousands of Republicans who influenced thousands of other Republicans. And it's going to be broadcast to probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions, once Donald Trump's speaking. And he pushed out. Trav, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean they're they're trying to like uh, make it look like he's this. I guess there's something going on in Iowa, and it's oh, it's that's so much more important. And you know he's got this uh, thing with Tucker Carlson that he's going to be at, and you know Trump chickened out of that, and blah 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 blah. It's it's all to, so tiresome. It what they're the the framing that they're doing is what exactly I thought they would do is it's oh he's too scared to debate when they don't understand it's a complete and total waste of time. Um, just like DeSantis' whole campaign. The only people that are benefiting from DeSantis' campaign are the donors and and all of the, the people on the payroll that are just raking in the, the money off of it. Um, so don't flush them with any more cash. So, you know, he, he knows, he, just like Mike said, he knows he's going to get booed off the stage in Florida at a TPUSA event. That's going to happen. It's not going to happen to Vivek. Why is it not going to happen to Vivek? Is it because he's better than Trump? Because MAGA likes Vivek? No, it's because Vivek's being respectful and is actually making his own case without trying to drag Trump down to do it. Um, it's the most interesting thing I've seen so far is all of these these candidates that are their their whole entire campaign hinges on tearing down Trump instead of making their own case and. Those people can go to a TPUSA event, the same event with Trump, and not have to worry about being booed off the stage because they're not attacking the you know this this person that is a hero to so many people. Um, so yeah, I, I mean they can say whatever they like, but you put them in a room together, uh, you know, DeSantis is going to get booed out of the room and Trump's going to get cheered on. That's just the that's that it's not going to be like in 2016 where. You know, the whole all the seats were filled with donors. It's a great point. And it's something you mentioned, dude, that I think, you know, I know this audience is pretty savvy. They're going to they're going to get it. They, these people are smart. But hating Trump is a cottage industry. It's not about legitimate feelings. It's not about legitimately what's best for the country. It's not about, you know, uh, you know, do, what do I actually believe in, in where where is my you know, what, what's my true north situation? Like, how do I feel about Hating Donald Trump is a cottage industry, and there is a there is a group of people in this country that will always loathe and despise him. And this is a capitalist nation, and the, someone needs to say all the crazy things to those fucking people because there's a buck to be earned by doing it. And that's what's sort of happened, and it's crazy because 
it's not about what's best for the Republican Party. It's not about what's best for America. There's just people looking and they go, Donald Trump's going to solve a whole bunch of problems that I've been profiteering off of for the last 30 years. And this is, might be my last opportunity to capitalize on him, especially if you know this is his last campaign. You don't got any more Trump campaigns in the future that you can essentially go and exploit all those retards with TDS. You're not going to be able to capitalize on it anymore. Even the donors, ultimately, that's the, the true grift isn't even for that average voter that sits at home and goes, Donald Trump's an asshole. The real grift is Republican donors suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. And these motherfuckers show up in the living room of these people and go, I'm the guy that's going to stop Trump. And it don't matter if you believe it, because that dumb motherfucker sitting across from you who's got an extra 20 million, 10 million laying around is going to go, are you sure? What's your strategy look like? Well, we got this guy from Florida. He's one of the most popular governors in the United States. And we believe we've got the right team assembled. Great. Stroke the check. And that's the re the real grift is bamboozling the fucking donors and giving them false hope that the American public is going to abandon Trump. That's that's grift number one. Grift number two is getting actual Rod DeSantis to believe he's capable of not just beating Trump, but now he's got to try to come back from being down 40 against Trump, even though he dropped in the polls once he announced and he dropped in the polls once he started campaigning. Because that's the second part of it, because you can't fleece the donors without convincing the candidate that he can win. If DeSantis knew the truth, which is I've just committed political suicide, he'd pull out immediately. The donor money would go back to the donor and the people who are actually orchestrating this entire fucking retarded exercise and futility would be out of a fucking job tomorrow. The whole thing is hinged on this cottage industry of placating TDS and essentially separating those fucking mega donors who are unhinged with their millions so that these people can keep a job or keep a roof over their head until the next election cycle in 2028 when the Democrats will serve up their next great hope for stopping the racist Republicans. So it's been well, a very the, fast. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Trev. The bottom line is, is if, <clears throat> if your entire campaign is hinged on tearing down Donald Trump <clears throat> and criticizing Donald Trump, you've already lost. There, there's no other way around it. Um, if you can't make a case on policy and you can't make a case of what you'll do that, 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 that differentiates yourself from Trump, a lot of the things I hear from Vivek are things that are very similar to Trump, which is why I, you know, I, I don't lean towards Vivek because it's, we got a guy that does that. But there are certain things I hear from him that are a little different, but nothing that comes out of that guy's mouth is Trump is bad because, and you need to elect me because Trump is bad. If that's the case you're making, you've already lost. And all of these other candidates have already lost. Correct. And that's why... They're really they're, none of them are really unique in any kind of way. You you it's you can't separate DeSantis from Chris Christie at this point. They're, the rhetoric sounds identical. You can't separate it from from uh, you know who's the other one? Nikki Haley or Tim Scott, I guess, because he's like playing the nice guy role, which is fine. But you can't separate. None of these people are unique in any kind of way. As you to your point, Trev, other than Vivek, but even still, he's only saying things that you know. Really, I'm like, okay, I've got Donald Trump. I haven't got to vet you completely. The, the things I have found, I don't like. There's no fucking way I'm ever going to trust you. Um, but, yeah, it's a great point, Trev. It's a very great point. Mike, uh, 
any thoughts on any of the other candidates? Not obviously the negative thoughts. I, I get that. We kind of all know. But is there anybody that you look and go, all right, that, you know, like, like right now, Tim Scott is South Carolina. Trump's not hitting him very hard. He's not attacking Trump at all, really. I think he's just trying to bring everybody back to like the, the moral, more calm and kinder, gentler Republican Party. But I mean, is there anything you got to say about any of these people that's even maybe, you know, like you go, oh, this is like kind of an interesting idea from this dude? No, they're all assholes because uh, there's no reason for them to run. If they're actual real, you know, GOP and they cared about, they'd be like, I have no prayer. I'm at 1%. I, I, it's Trump. And they'd be gathering around him. So anybody in there, whether they talk about morals or high ground, they're all Chris Christie's to me, all of them. And uh, pff, that's it. Great point. It's great. I can't even, I can't even rebuttal that. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think what's really weird too, you guys, is that as we're watching this play out, what team DeSantis, and you know, everything's a sales pitch, right? So sales pitch number one is you're selling to the masses that your guy is younger than Trump. Therefore, he's got more energy. But we have already proven that that's untrue. But whatever, we can debate that. That's hard to quali- you know, to, to quantify and measure. All right, so set that aside. So then you go, well, DeSantis is better at governing. Look how he handled Florida. All right, again, a debatable point, but you're, you're making your argument. You're making your case. I think one of the strangest things about the team meatball sales pitch DeSantis, in order to be a locked and loaded, full-blown DeSantard, the campaign, the super PAC, their autistic fucking influencers, and everybody in between requires that you accept that the 2020 election was totally legitimate. This is one of the most shockingly stupid fucking things I've ever seen in politics and it's even if it's it's even crazier because you have to literally rewire people who saw what they saw and know what they saw. Everyone who went to bed on election night and saw when they stopped counting, everybody who saw the one point million two million lead in PA, hundreds of thousands of vote lead in, in Michigan and Wisconsin. You're looking at one of the biggest landslides in election history when you go to sleep because they said they're going to stop voting or counting that night. And you've got to suspend everything you experienced. And you have to buy into the narrative that the Democrats won a legal and lawful election. God damn, that's a, that's a big ass. Trev, any thoughts on that, dude? I mean, yeah, that I, they're so all over the map on it, too. I mean, like I'm, I've watched a few of them pivot now and they're like, well, okay, maybe it wasn't the the most secure election ever, but what did Mr. Trump do to uh, to to affect that? I think it was like the latest bullshit that came out of there, um, and it's like you know, it's like what what did you expect him to do? The elections are run by the states. What do you you know the the states need to get their shit together? But um, so yeah, they're they're all over the map with that, and it's the dumbest it's the dumbest fucking argument ever. Yeah. And it's a hell of a reach. I mean, I just, it's, it's shocking to me that they're even, it's crazy that they're not giving any credence whatsoever, Trev. Are you seeing them start to say, well, there might have been some in this state? I'm sorry, say that again? Are you seeing, you mentioned that you're seeing some of them, maybe not pivoting, but like starting to be a little more intellectually honest about it. 
Uh, yeah, there's a couple that I mean, not necessarily that they're being intellectually honest about it, but they're they, they've got this attitude of kind of like you know, well, let me entertain you for a minute, and and okay, let's just say you're right, and it was stolen. Okay, uh, you know, what did Mister? You know, Trump was president. Why didn't he stop it? Kind of thing, um, which is again completely intellectually dishonest, um, and it, it is it's a dumb it's a dumb argument, and I, this is what. That's that was kind of the first tip off that these guys are are basically just, you know, closet leftists or Lincoln Project, you know, rejects or something along those lines. All these people that go, well, I voted for Trump twice and I believe that the 2020 election was completely fair. OK, those two statements don't jive. They don't match that 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 cannot that that cannot be the correct answer. So, yeah, that, there's that, that's how you know how dishonest these people are. All right, Mike, I'm going to I'm going to tee you up with a softball here. Well, before you do, before you do, but they are, are are pandering to the lowest common denominator. You see it in all all our replies. Jeb Bush hates fucking American people. He hates MAGA. Uh, Rupert Murdoch fucking hates us. So they pander to the lowest losers. Oh, Trump's a Democrat. I'm getting it right now. Trump was a Democrat. He did this. It's like, how fucking stupid are you? Right. I mean, it's like, we're smart people. You call us a cult, but it's like, we're awake, which makes us dangerous. And so uh, go ahead, man. What was your question? Is Jeff Rowe the biggest piece of shit fucking twat waffle in the history of American politics? Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, you saw him crying. He told Chris Wallace, he, we're going to win because we have, you know, we have God on our side. And, and, and he's doing the same thing now. And it's like, it, it's so stupid that they're pivoting with Casey DeSantis and they keep building this fake narrative that, oh, the left hates Casey. And I keep going on the replies and going, no, actually, MAGA hates her, I think, more than the left. And uh, uh, it, it's so stupid. They're creating this straw man. Oh, the left, you know, you could tell uh, they're scared of DeSantis because they hate Casey. It's like, no, we hate Casey because she's fucking fake and plastic. And she doesn't, she's a horrible mom. She exploits her babies. And then, like you said today, which is brilliant, she can't fucking control her kids. Her kids are ruining the governor's mansion. And, oh, come visit the mansion and you'll see the slime on the ceilings. Oh, that's supposed to be funny and cute. It's not. And so only within their cult, which is say we're in a cult, there's a small little fraction of they hate Trump so bad that they're going to support this meatball and they know he's a fucking dick and they know they're down 40 points, but we're just going to keep pressing on because uh, we hate Trump. It's so stupid. So Jeff Rowe took the money. They hired him in February, bro. You dropped the gauntlet in January. They started dropping instantly. They hired Rowe. We got the receipts. They hired him in February. They're like, oh no, we're starting to go down. We need to hire a bigger piece of shit than uh, Christina Peshaw. Come on, Jeff, come on in. And uh, dude, that's the same guy that did the robocalls on the night of the Iowa caucus that told uh, people, oh, uh, uh, Ben Carson's dropping out. And then they got called on it. Trump called him on it at the South Carolina debates. Dana Lausch and Glenn Beck were sitting on their fucking, he built the, uh, the, uh, the Oval Office set on his gay little fucking set. And they sat there and they laughed about Ted Cruz. I got the receipts. Oh, Ted Cruz had the greatest victory in the history of Iowa uh, you know, caucuses. Yeah, what did that get you? I'm sick of them, dude. And I am. Yeah. Okay, every time they tweet, I want to fuck. Their idiocy burns me even harder. So keep going, sweetie. 
Yeah, Jeff Rowe is cancer for politics and American politics. Jeff Rowe is a a absolute scumfuck human being. He's a guy that grifts. He's a guy that has done unscrupulous, fucking absolutely beyond disgusting things, and he takes pride in it. He drove a man to killing himself, and he took pride in it. I mean, he literally adopted the nickname they gave him uh, regarding that that event. And he got the guy to kill himself by spreading a rumor that the dude was, uh, you know, I don't remember. It had something to do with his, his lifestyle or whatever it was. They were trying to, he was trying to press this dude. Dude fucking hung himself, killed himself. And then Jeff was basically like, yeah, that, like I'm the guy that got him to kill himself. He took pride in that. That takes a special kind of piece of shit. And that's who's running DeSantis' campaign. And everything they do reflects that guy's personality Everything they do reflects his lack of integrity. Everything they do reflects all of his shady dealings, which is why he's taken a candidate that was a bit of a fucking meatball, but it was was actually like loved in his state. They're like, you know, he's our guy. He's a little bit of a a little awkward, a little rotund, but we love him. And, uh, you know, he, he fights with the media and whatever. And he took him and they turned him into fucking... He, he turned him into a piece of shit rhino. Now, he may have always been that, but the branding was on point before Jeff Rose showed up. Jeff Rose showed up and expo- exposed Ron DeSantis to the entire American public for who he really was. Now he's Rick Santorum. He's a fucking asshole. No one likes him. And everybody in mainstream media continues to parrot the same talking point now. It's the most popular point this week, which is the more people get to know DeSantis, the worse his numbers are. Because he's weird and no one likes him. Now, I was hitting this dude with the weird branding six and a half fucking months ago. Did a full rant in in January. I was like, he's weird. Weird people can't win the highest office. You can be a lot of shit. You can be a sleazeball. You can be a fucking, you can be charismatic and popular. You can be even dumb. But what you can't be and win a presidential election or a primary is fucking weird. And he's fucking weird. John Kasich knows about that. John Kasich was weird as fuck. He was the governor of Ohio. Couldn't do shit at a higher office because he was fucking weird. Every time they'd interview him, he's snacking up a storm, stuffing his face, gave a bunch of weird fucking answers. Just a strange-ass person. People don't relate to that. They're turned off. Well, DeSantis is just as fucking weird. So, I put the uh, I just retweeted that Jeff Rowe video I put together. So it's the first tweet up on my thing. If people don't know who Jeff Rowe is, it's a whole interview with him. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. That's excellent. I really appreciate that for everybody tuning into MAGA Weekly. You guys can easily find out just what kind of a dirtbag Jeff Rowe is. Uh, all right, so moving on, we've got uh, momentum. We've got a 39-point average uh, lead across the country right now. Donnie J crushing it. We've got him still sparring with the Department of Justice over when uh, or if there will be a trial date set anytime soon. We, we are not sure on that. We've got a big event coming up. we got TPUSA uh, coming up, and, and uh, Donald Trump is the keynote speaker there. And there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the direction we are moving as a country. The number one reason I believe, you know, you should be enthusiastic as a MAGA Trump supporter is it's to the point now that when you're on an, on an average street and people are having conversation before it used to be, oh, my God, you're voting Trump, right? There'd be some kind of pushback, depending on which part of the country you're in. But it is now an accepted answer socially when people go, fuck Biden, yeah, I'm voting Trump, man. And you don't even have to actually, you don't have to qualify. See, 
In 2016, there was a bunch of qualifiers. He's not actually racist. They just make him look that way. Oh, you got to understand. I'm just tired of this, that, and the other. Oh, I love his. You, there was a bunch of qualifiers in order to insulate yourself from the mainstream media attacks about being a Trump supporter. By 2020, a lot of that had went away, but there was other things. In 2024, no one even bats a fucking eye when you're like, yeah, the guy in the office right now is a cunt and we need Trump back. And everybody just goes, well, yeah, I mean, it's true. Um, Trev, out in Florida, obviously, you've got a situation. We talked about it last week. It seems like it's gaining momentum. You have an absentee fucking governor. You got a president, a former president that is beloved. He's up 20 in Florida. That poll just came out. But this thing with insurance companies, we are going into hurricane season. Are, is this a conversation among Floridians in your, in your neighborhoods and, and when you guys are chatting about what's coming down the pipeline? Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, right around this time of year, people start thinking about, like, you know, they check their policies and make sure that yeah, everything looks good. Uh, you know, any this is about the time of year when you start to do maintenance just to make sure that, you know, kind of batten down the hatches for storm season and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, it is. It's forefront in, in a lot of people's minds. And, and we're watching this thing go down. I don't think a lot of people have the full gist of what's going on um, because information. Go, go ahead and really... explain it, Trev, if you want to just do a quick rundown. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, it, it's 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 complicated, but effectively, the the bottom line is is that a lot of these insurance companies are going bankrupt. Um, they're not receiving any, um, you know, aid from the state in the sense that there's that. I mean, effectively, I mean, insurance companies are businesses; they have to make money. That that's just the way it works. Um, they don't have an infinite supply of money. Yes, people pay into an insurance company, and a lot of times they don't ever have to use the insurance, God willing. But when they do, there's an expectation that your repairs are paid for. But the problem is, is that they're not, if they don't have any money, they can't pay for the repairs. And if they go out of business and they fold up shop, then, you know, you're out of luck effectively. The state's supposed to help supplement with some of that. And from what I'm understanding is going on, and I don't, I don't know the, all the specifics around you know, how much of this is true or not, but it, it looks like that there's this big surplus, uh, you know, that they've been bragging about with, with the budget. Uh, and you know, there's no aid to some of these uh, insurance companies. And the argument right now going back and forth is that these insurance companies are effectively screwing over their customers and just, you know, uh, they see the writing on the wall. They're, they're, they're just pulling up stakes and leaving the state. Uh, leaving their customers high and dry, and they're and that's what the you know the the state government's blaming it on these companies, and the companies are putting it back on the state, going like you guys have this surplus, you should be helping out, and you know in these extreme situations, and you're not. So it's it's insurance companies are slimy to begin with, so it's 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 difficult to to get the the real answer. But when you start seeing companies like some of these bigger insurance companies start folding up and you see deals being made between the state and other specific insurance companies, you know, it's just, it, it, it becomes very, you know, uh, it becomes a big question. And and so now there's a rumor that farmer's insurance is about to pack it in for housing insurance, which they're a big provider out here. Uh, actually, our, our uh, we have insurance through farmers, not for the house, but for like everything else. Um, so, I, you know, and, and, it's it's a giant mess and if a, if the storms come through and there's not insurance then i mean you're gonna watch that that big old uh uh surplus that they have go away real fast having to pay out to you know to repair these homes and stuff like that so 
if they go that route. So I, I don't even know, like, you know, what the plan is or anything like that. And the governor's not here. There's nothing being said about it. There's no open discussion about it. He's certainly not talking about it or, or answering any questions about it. So it's kind of like this big thing that, you know, it, it's going to happen. And you also have, you have a lot of new Floridians that haven't been through a storm season yet that are new to the state. They have no idea. You know, they, they just think, okay, I have insurance. Like I have insurance when I lived up in New York. Okay. My house is covered. Yeah. It's a little more expensive than it was up in New York, but uh, you know, I've got it. Okay. So I should be covered. And they don't realize what's coming down the pike with storm season. I mean, you're, we had, uh, we were, when the tree fell on the roof of our house, it was all told, top off at the top and we're still dealing with a, a few minor odds and ends it was up in the uh, around 160 150 thousand dollars uh for in, in damages that needed to be repaired and and you know the insurance covering it unfortunately we fortunately our insurance covered a good majority of it and we didn't have to pay too much out of pocket but that's not unusual uh with, with some of the storm damage and and you know if your house gets wiped out that you're looking at a lot of damage. So, hey, well, hey, Trev, can, I, can I ask a yeah, question? <clears throat> yeah, Trev. Trev, um, being a floor dude, thanks for explaining that. Being a Floridian, the only thing I'm hearing about this is coming from Loomer. God bless her. Are the right. news people talking about it down there? No, I'm reading DeSantis shit every day online. I'm not really seeing it much. So it seems like there'd be outright panic. Can you give me more of a feel on that? No, and the new that's that and that's why I find it interesting. It's like if the news were actually going after DeSantis, they'd be going after him on this. Because they're not talking about it. They're not it's not being brought up. It's not a you know a report that shows up on the news. I mean, to be fair, it's relatively new and Loomer is really good at breaking stuff that that's that's not you know known. Um, so, but I mean, it, it should show up in the next couple of days, but it, you know, I haven't heard anything out of the local news outlets about it. Well, and, and also Trev, this isn't like a conspiracy theory. We have no. what, two, 208,000, uh, people who filed claims last hurricane season that weren't mm -hmm. necessarily declined. They just didn't get their shit fixed. Right. It just, they're just a quarter of a million Floridians who had major storm damage to their homes and had the insurance, but didn't get their shit fixed for one reason or another, but also didn't have the claim denied. Correct. Yes. And that, and that then goes to the state, which then it gets all tied up in litigation and all of that fun stuff, which is part of one of the things that we have to do is, um, you know, basically <laughs> the contractor that we're dealing with, Unfortunately, in this case, most of this, I think, is going to fall on the contractor because the contractor was kind of shit. But the uh, um, but what we're experiencing is the insurance paid up to a point and then they just said, nope, we're not paying for anything else. Um, and it didn't cover everything, even though we had the adjuster out and all this other stuff. Um, again, a lot of that, to be fair, in my particular situation, fell because the contractor was over bloating it. And that's another problem here in Florida is the contractors over bloat. You know all this kind of stuff. The, the insurance in Florida is is a mess, and it, and it needs to be dealt with. Yep. Well, fuck, dude. I hope it gets better, bro. That's uh, definitely not a fun situation, and it certainly is something that's going to affect not just you, but a lot of really innocent Floridians, people who are just trying to live their lives, especially and, new uh, ones. Yeah, people that don't know that are new to the state. They're excited. They just got through their first spring in in Florida, which is absolutely ideal. 
and they're going into like, okay, oh, there's going to be some storms and they don't really fully probably comprehend the, the level of damage these storms can do. Well, uh, depending the, where Brendan, you live. Brendan, do you think that the globalists know about this ticking time bomb and they don't give a fuck? And they're like, whatever, we got a presidential campaign to run. Or you'd think they'd be out front of it and it would be a perfect example of his leadership, right? Don't you think? Yeah, well, you would, but here's the problem is we don't know where he hoard himself, right? So we don't know if there was, like, the fact that, that a lot of this insurance is being funneled into a handful of companies is suspect as fuck. Like, I'm a total free market guy. I don't like when I see companies dying on the vine so that only the mega giant corporations that were handpicked by the state are thriving. And that's what you'll end up with. You'll end up with a fucking monopoly. And what happens when you end up with a monopoly is what's happening right now in Florida, which is the, the premiums are going to the fucking moon where they're doubling, tripling and quadrupling. They're, they're four times the national average. There you go. I mean, that is wow. obscene, dude. That is obscene. I mean, you're talking about people who last year were at 2,500, 3,000 for the year are now at eight, nine, 10 grand for the year. Nobody can budget for something like that. And so they're getting squeezed. And why DeSantis isn't uh, getting more involved in this is anyone's guess. This is the problem, too, man. When you're a whore, nobody knows who owns you. So when you start fucking with the Bushes, you start fucking with Rove, you start fucking with the, you know, the dude from, uh, you know, the guys from New York City, a lot of these hedge fund managers, a lot of Ken Griffins, dude, you don't know where they're pushing on him and for what reason or what deals. I mean, think about the amount of money he's got. Why did he get that money? He's a meatball, right? He's not a talented guy. He's this is not a businessman. He's not selling a bunch of Make America Florida fucking shirts. Like, so you got to go, okay, well, where's he's just doing the same playbook that the rest of these uh, scumbag politicians do, which is I'm going to peddle my influence. Well, when you've got the one of the most popular states in the entire country and you've got massive, massive amounts of uh, money every year generated by through destruction, whether people like that or not. Storm season is extremely profitable for some of the largest corporations in America because it's an, it's its own industry, right? It constantly is, is throw, you know, uh, what is it, uh, juicing up the construction industry, right, Trev? Yeah, and I mean part, that's part of the problem. The other part of the the, the major issue is, is with the the actual insurance companies that are here. Like for example, like the big insurance companies, they they don't do a lot of business in Florida. Like for instance, the, like the largest insurance company that operates in Florida is State Farm and they have around like 7% of the market. Um the the vast majority of insurers um are local. They're they're local regional insurers that that are effectively small businesses. And the issue that is happening is because, like, just for an example, Ian was $114 billion in damage uh, when adjusted for inflation. Um, and that's on these small businesses that are running these insurance. And then you've got a problem, like I was saying, like, again, my situation is kind of unique because the contractor was garbage. But um, you've got a lot of people that are overinflating what the damage that's done, and you've got all it's getting tied up in litigation. There's uh, effectively around 300, according to these stats, like 300,000 lawsuits um, was filed 
basically it was saying that uh, this is a man-made crisis. Uh, the insurance industry pushed for and won a number of reforms meant to curb what it saw as abuse, but so far it hasn't changed the outlook for insurers, partly because a flood of nearly 300,000 lawsuits um, were filed just before the law took effect. So there's been laws passed to, to, to help with some of this stuff, but there's already a backlog of, of, of legal cases that were put in before the law changed and it's driving these companies out of business. And yeah, it is confirmed that farmers is at least their home insurance is being is pulling out of the state as well. Regardless, this is something that a governor would need to be heavily involved in to resolve because 100%. you've got what what could be a crisis for the public in the event that a major storm hits you guys. And look, it's storm season. Hurricanes hit Florida. That's just part of the deal. That's part of what you sign up for when you live in Florida. You pretty much accept you're going to have some really bad storms at during tar- parts of the year. And you, you essentially are reliant upon the state and some of your private insurers to make sure that God forbid something happened to you, you are made whole again uh, through these means. And right now there's a lot of uncertainty in that place uh, for, for people who are insured. So not a good situation. You need a governor down there doing his fucking job. Take, these are the easy wins that he, he could be getting, but he's not. And he, and he hasn't been right. for months. We were promised all these victories. Remember that? Remember they told us they're like, before he announces, wait until you see the victories he's gonna he's gonna rack up during uh you know when when he, the state is in session. Remember that? That was the whole narrative back in January and February was wait until he has all these state legislature victories that are gonna blow everybody's doors off, and then it's gonna but- make him even more popular with the public. And then it never it never materialized. It's all focused on "quote unquote" woke. That's that's what all his 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 victories are are focused on. Most of which is is all being actively litigated, you know, as we speak. So, I mean, there's I, I don't know what victories he's referring to, other than some some minor cultural victories that really don't matter much if you don't have a place to live and or your house gets wiped out by a storm this year. That's a great point, Trevor. That's a very great point. Just it's just a weird thing. The whole campaign has been run very, very disjointed, bizarre uh, choices. Um, and you know what, though, the results speak for themselves. You've got a lot, uh, you know, a cratering in popularity, cratering in polling. Trump continues to surge. Uh, anyway, outside of these two, I don't think there's much else in the Republican field. I don't believe there's anything else there to, to really discuss. Uh, with that being said, I want to turn our attention now to what's going on with Joe Biden. And this is something where I tried to tell everybody six, seven months ago, I said, whatever argument you're going to make against Trump and for anybody else, or even, uh, you know, we need to worry about with Joe Biden. There's a lot of things you can discuss and there's a lot of, you know, certainly debates we can be had. But the one that I told everybody that was going to be a non-starter was the COVID vaccine. And seven months ago, when I returned to Twitter in January of this year, when they let me back on and the first thing I got was nothing but a bunch of fear porn from people who were panicking over videos of people fucking overdosing from their COVID shots, spazzing out, dropping dead in gyms, shitting themselves, all kinds of crazy things. And they tried to convince me this will be the leading issue in 2024. And I told all of them, you're fucking wrong and you're dumb for thinking that. Because what all of them underestimated was Joe Biden's ability to so totally fuck America up 
that by the time we even limp into the November 2024 election, you're going to fucking wish the biggest problem we had to debate was how many booster shots people took. They were all wrong. Nobody gives a shit. DeSantis tried to launch an entire insurgency into MAGA on this premise, not realizing that he was going to punch himself out on a non-starter because we're all facing, and when I say all, I mean everyone is facing a very real uh, you know, prospect of a potential World War III situation because Joe continues to make every fucking decision, every bad decision you could make to tempt a nuclear nation Joe has made it in regards to Ukraine and Russia. We're probably going to see Taiwan back under Chinese fucking rule any day. I mean, essentially, we know China's looking going, well, we could take it this week. We can take it next week. And the idea that Americans who are suffering through the worst inflation we've probably ever had, people are spending triple what they used to spend on groceries uh, under Trump's last year of presidency. Spending triple that, double on, on, on uh, you know, energy and gasoline. And they thought that the debate was going to be about vaccine. Nobody fucking cares. Those who took it, took it. If they survived and didn't have side effects, no big deal. Those who didn't take it, don't give a fuck because I don't got anything in my bloodstream, so I don't give a shit. And those who took it and had a side effect are either dead or their families are super enraged. And no matter how you cut it, it's still not a large enough percentage of the population to move the fucking needle above inflation border invasions and otherwise. So Mike, I want to bring you in here. We're looking at Joe Biden. You're absolutely right. We're going to start hitting the left here soon. What? I mean, when we talk economy, it's limping along. There's, there's cracks all over the place. It feels a little inauthentic. The numbers never make any sense. They're always having to adjust them back a different direction. Aside from the economy, aside from the border invasion, is there anything else that you're looking at and you kind of are going, dude, I think this is going to really piss people off come election season? Or is it the more obvious? Is there anything hidden you're seeing? Or are you, or do you think it's going to be some of the more obvious issues, kind of as uh, Bill Clinton said, it's it's the economy, stupid. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I believe it's the economy. I believe it's people want their country back, man. And that means a lot of different things to different people. Some people want to uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance and they want to feel good about their military, right? Those That video of the cops, uh, that was in LA, bro. And it had the sheriffs, it had the LA, it had them all. And you know what? These are the cops that arrest people and then Gascon, Soros's DA, lets them free. We signed a petition. We had a million more signatures than we needed and they threw it out saying they weren't legit. So we're waiting for justice. So it comes down to personal safety. You know, I live in a nice little Mayberry town, but right next door, right? So these cops, you could see the joy on their faces. It wasn't like, oh, we're here for a photo op. They're like, damn it, man, we need this guy because we, there are police force, dude, is depressed. They, they arrest somebody and the person gets set free. And that's Joe Biden's DOJ. That's the globalist DOJ. So it's the economy. But it's about protection and, uh, I don't know, it, it's America, bro. I think it comes down to the core issues. Great point. Great point, Mike. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. I believe those are two. It, look, at the end of the day, we all want to be able to function in society and, th- and strive for our goals financially or our, our families. You know, a lot of people are starting out. They want to have families. Number one reason people don't have children is because they don't think they can afford them, right? We all know that. 
If you talk to your average American, they're not like inherently, they're not like, oh, I don't want any kids. Actually, the majority of people, when you talk to them, go, oh, I'd love to have more, but we couldn't afford them. The majority of people are like, oh, I'd love to have a big family. I think it would be fantastic. I was raised in a big family. Well, why don't you have the kids? Well, I, there's no way I could feed them. I just don't know where I'd get the money. I don't want to be away from my family. My wife and I work too much as it is. So I do believe you're, you're absolutely right, Mike, which is economy is going to be far and away number one. Everyone's feeling it. It doesn't matter where you land in the socioeconomic scale right now either. Short of being like a multimillionaire, even very, very affluent and successful people are getting smashed by all of the inflation and the in a lot of the uh, the the taxation uh, hikes that we've seen. So the economy is definitely going to be number one. But the thing, and, and I want to kind of go to this with Trev. Personal safety is a big one, Mike. And and uh, we'll go to you, Trev. Dude, we've got a, a very real problem across this country right now, which is violent crime is absolutely rampant. It is climbing. And there is not anything being done about it. There's no one you can look and go, this person is cracking down. Now, the usual suspects are still doing their job. Like, And what I mean by that is that the traditional sheriffs who've always have had a handle on their county are doing their traditional sheriff things. But you don't have any new sheriffs emerging and new city leaders, police, uh, you know, police leadership stepping up and going, we've had enough. We're cracking down. Atlanta is a fucking war zone. Atlanta right now, they're not even reporting the murders because they don't want the bad press. And since they're not reporting the murders, they're also not pursuing the murderers. They've got a license to kill in Atlanta right now, and there's nobody doing a goddamn thing about it. And much the same in New York City right now. You, you are not having a pursuit of the New York City violence at all. There's nothing being done about it. Chicago. My God, they stopped. We used to get every Monday, I would look forward to my Monday update from Chicago on how many people got shot versus how many died so that I could make my entire rant on Monday about how they all needed to get down to the range and stop wasting ammo because they never could break about 15%, right? It's a morbid joke, but I used to fucking make it. I can't even make the joke anymore because Chicago stopped telling everybody how many people are getting smoked on the weekends and how many people are dying. So- Trev, when you talk about personal safety, obviously I'm, many of us are feeling a lot better given the recent rulings for, on the Second Amendment from the Supreme Court. But from a, a law enforcement standpoint, when you look across the country, like I'm sure you wake up and skim the same social media and the same internet that I do. Are you still just shocked at the level of just borderline anarchy across America? And you could, it's not just liberal cities, it's conservative ones too. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, even here, like you know, Orlando is is got uh, uh, you know just outside. That's I'm just outside of Orlando, but I mean, still get the news and stuff from Orlando, and that there, I mean, it, crimes and murders and all kinds of stuff going on there. It's not as bad as some of these bigger cities and stuff, but it's still, I mean, it's definitely higher than it was. Um, the the big thing you're seeing i mean is all these big cities you're seeing all this crime and stuff like that and that's a, you know obviously bad but it's in these smaller towns and stuff like that where people have kind of lost this sense of control where you know you've got these uh prosecutors that aren't prosecuting 
um, people for for doing these crimes. They're they're prosecuting, you know, uh, for you know tax crimes or other st- stupid stuff like that. And they're not they're not prosecuting these 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 criminals and things. You've got businesses moving out of cities because they just can't afford to do business anymore because they're they're not stopping the the, the criminals. I mean, nobody has a sense of uh, you know of you know safety because the criminals don't feel like they're in danger at all um so i yeah i mean i don't know it's it's kind of hard to comment on i mean it's just it's bad i mean like you guys pretty much covered it it, but it's just yeah it's all over the place it's not just in the bigger cities and you know what part of that is, is i think it's a demoralization effect of the public you know, look, criminals are still human beings at the end of the day. And when your culture is overwhelmingly demoralized through a lack of opportunities, uh, you know, a lot of these people are pissed because they're spending three, four times what they used to spend on gasoline. There's going to be a correlation between any kind of economic downturn or economic strife and rising crime. Right. I mean, it's just it's pretty fucking common sense. If you oh, yeah. if you want to have a safe country, have a prosperous country, and you're going to overwhelmingly uh, be able to reduce a lot of that that crime, right, Trev? Right, and as the risk goes down, the cost of of effectively in the criminal business, you know, goes down with it. So you know, it's, right now the risk reward factor is horrendously out of balance, and people are. I think the only saving grace is that people haven't really realized it yet. I mean. Th- there's still a fair amount of, of America that kind of feels like we still are, uh, you know, have a justice system and that they're, you know, that we're a country of laws, but uh, they're, they're figuring it out faster and faster every day that that's not necessarily the case. So, I mean, why go out and get a job, a Joe job, pushing a mop, you know, for six bucks an hour when you can go and just rip off stores and, and hawk the wares. And I mean, it, it, even to the point of like, especially if you can't feed your family, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> Nobody's getting in trouble, so let's just go this route instead of doing, you know, an honest day's work. So, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, Charles. I wasn't trying to cut you off. I was just agreeing. It's a really great point, no. man. No, yeah, yeah. I was done. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really great point, and and also I think you you just something you just snuck in at the end of that though is you, they start to remove the moral dilemma if there ever was one with some of these for either former or current criminals who maybe, maybe they would have been like on the straight and narrow under Trump. They had business opportunities. They're putting their lives together, got a family, whatever. The moral dilemma gets removed when you feel that what you're doing is to feed your family. Once, once food's on the, on the fucking, on the line and you're talking food for your kids, people are willing to go, okay, all right, what can I, can I do? and What can't I do to make this happen? Not saying it's right or wrong, but that's where that, there's less of a, a speed bump, right? Because you don't got the argument that you used to have. You used to be, oh, just go out and get yourself a high-paying job. You can work hard like the rest of us, which you still can, but you're, you're harder to make that argument when you're like, okay, the cost of our eggs tripled, the cost of my milk has doubled, the cost of my gas has t- doubled and tripled, and now all of a sudden people are like, you know what, fuck this, because society is broken. You know, they've, they've essentially made it to where – they're trying to kill off that middle class and so we can all see it. We all know it. I think those of us who's who've resided in that place for an extended period of time, recognize that there's essentially creating a, a system of either haves or have nots. And if you're a have not, we're not really going to arrest you anymore. We don't really want to be bothered with that. We're not going to really protect the other have nots from you, by the way. 
Uh, and that's what it seems to be kind of naturally happening in this country uh, through through some of the changes we've seen from the uh, attorney, you know, district attorneys and whatnot that it's certainly Soros funded to get in. Um, that being said, I want to shift gears a little bit before we wrap things up onto a little cultural discussion, because I think the culture is coming around. And, and I wanted to ask and, and, and see if you guys have heard, uh, seen this new movie that everybody is all is all excited about. It's the was it the uh, Jim Caviezel? Uh, is it Sound of Freedom? Is that what it's called, Trev? I can't remember. I don't yeah, know. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, have you guys seen it, Mike? Trev, have you guys had a chance to watch this film yet? No, I haven't seen it. Not me okay, either. Well, I I want to wait till it comes out of the, not in the theaters. Uh, I'm yeah, because like I have a feeling I, I'm gonna get too mad to watch it. I'm gonna need to stop it and step away from it for a few minutes and then come back to it. I guess I enough. can't see myself doing that in the theater. Yeah, no, I I spoke to somebody today who watched it. Uh, they said it was an uh, amazing movie. Um, she was telling me all about it, uh, not, you know, without, you know, giving away the whole plot, but essentially uh, felt very strongly about it. I know Hogman is giving me the thumbs up right now. He saw it. Uh, he he raved about it. He said it was a great film. Uh, I'm very interested to see it. So I, I'm hoping uh, I didn't. I'm kind of like Trev. I was going to wait for it to come out uh, at the home release. But now part of me wants to to try to you know sneak away for a couple of hours to possibly see it this weekend. So I might make that part of my my Saturday or my Sunday if I could steal a couple hours and and go watch that movie because it seems like it's it's something that needs to be seen, you know? Yeah, I mean if you're in the same boat as me and, and feel like you know you probably want to wait for it to come home to watch it. Um, do you, I, I, what I ended up doing was I went and bought tickets and donated them to their ticket fund so that people could go see it for free. Um, so if you want to kind of support them in the theater still, even even though you can't really <laughs> bring yourself to go watch it in the theater, uh, you can go that route as well. And it would help out, you know, both, you know, the sales of the movie, which obviously gives it more uh, lift in the ratings and keeps it in the news cycle. So that it is an important movie, as I understand it, and, and it is important for people to see it. Trevor's such a good person. That's like such a good idea. Thank you for, for sharing that suggestion. That's a really good idea, dude. And I think it's really cool that you did that. So. All right, cool. Well, that's what I want to, I just want to ask you guys if you got a chance to see it. Nobody's seen it. So I guess that's kind of the end of that, <laughs> that conversation, but uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap up here. I've had a long fucking day, uh, but this is MAGA weekly. We do it every Tuesday at seven thirty PM Eastern time. Uh, Trev, Mike, Mike, do you got anything you want to, I'll we'll let you go first and wrap up since Trev was just shitty chatting and then we'll go to you, Trevor next. I don't have any good stories of giving away stuff, dude. I'm sorry. So I'm not. You, you can go all day long, bud. Let me dig deep, Trav. Thanks, bro. Um, now I just want to tell everybody thanks for listening and be encouraged because the fuckery from Team DeSantis is just stupider and dumber. And uh, be of good cheer because you sharing our tweets and retweeting, and you guys are really smart. And uh, they want you to feel dumb and that you're not having an effect. But I'm telling you. Every time you retweet something or create something, it's it has a lasting impact. And we're going to bury him way quicker than we did with Ted Cruz. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens here in the next few weeks. Because, Brendan, every week we come on here, we're like, oh, what a horrible week for Meatball. And there's been no week where we come out, we're like, oh, he's starting to he's starting to climb. Every week he's gotten shittier and shittier. So now he's got Casey out there. And so... It's a comedy central, bro, but it's funny. So be of good cheer, everybody. God bless you. And uh, this is a righteous fight. 
It really is. So don't let anybody tell you anything differently. Amen, brother. All right, Trev, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm already getting messages like, how do you do that? I, I, I'll tweet out in a little bit I, um, after this and after I get the podcast up, I'll tweet out how you can donate the tickets and stuff like that if that's something you're interested in doing. Um, other than that, uh, you know, thanks everybody for, for, for hanging out with us. I love doing this every week with you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, and you guys can find him at Meme TV. Uh, he is on one of my lists. My lists are public. So you just go to, to my page, Warlord Dilly, and uh, click on lists, and then you'll see the Dilly meme team. And if you follow that entire list, you can find Magical Trevor, you can find California, and a whole bunch of other incredible people to follow on that list as well. So, all right, you guys, God bless you. God bless America. God bless our president, Donald J. Trump. I am author Brendan Dilly, and we'll see all of you guys next week on Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for another episode of MAGA Weekly. Have a great rest of your week, you guys.